Welcome back to the Love Baby and Toddler podcast. Last week, we had on my husband, Corin, and we talked about things that we expected parenting to be like versus what the reality of it actually looks like for us. This week, we're so excited because we have another guest on, and she is an amazing mom of three. I'm going to let her give an introduction, but after that, we're going to get into today's episode. So Christina, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, So my name's Christina, and I actually went to school, to college at Cortland with both Molly and Megan. I live on Long Island, and I'm married, and I have three kids, which is so crazy to say out loud. I still am in shock. Three-year-old boy, a two-year-old girl, and a five-month-old son. So my life is a little bit crazy right now, but you know, it's all, it's all good things <laughs> happening over here. It's a, it's a good crazy, I guess we'll call it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Any other one. Yeah. <laughs> After knowing you for so long, I feel like we have gone through so many different stages of life together. So right now thinking that like you have three kids, Molly has three kids, I've got a kid. I'm like, this is a fully different relationship yeah. than we used to have, you know, like 10, however many years ago, more than 10 years ago. Eight, eight, yeah. So I'm 32 now. We met at 18, 19 years old. So that's Wow. I'm a completely different person. (laughs) (laughs) We won't talk about, (laughs) we don't have to get too deep into that, but we're so excited to have you on the podcast. We think it's so important to hear different perspectives, different journeys, and just to hear about the different lives that moms live. And that's really what we want to talk about tonight. Let's start out though. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey into motherhood? My journey. Okay. So my journey into motherhood. I honestly didn't think too much of that um, part of my life just because I was told I didn't know I could have children by various doctors. I, at 22 years old, I was diagnosed with adrenal cancer, which I know a lot of people don't hear of every day. I know I certainly never heard of that. And it's a one in a million, you know, disease, basically all of my, you know, adult life. I've kind of just dealt with that. And so having kids for me was never, I always wanted kids, but I was never, never like had a a set plan just because I was dealing with, you know, let's, let's survive, you know, cancer. So I went to the doctor for a routine checkup for blood work, you know, just annual kind of thing. And I was feeling really good, which is crazy. Everything came back completely just off. I know my potassium levels were down. My blood pressure was like super, super high, just things like that. So they actually had to call me back and say, I think something went wrong. So come back in, redo everything. So I did. And I actually had mentioned to them that I, you know, I was working out every day. I was drinking like tons of water, coconut water, but I was peeing a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I guess I just like, in the beginning, I kind of justified it like, oh, even in the middle of the night, I would go to the bathroom like five times, you know, which is maybe normal for a pregnant person. It was just a lot. I'm, I would always just be like, oh, I drank a lot of water. I also wasn't sleeping a lot either. I, I would probably get five hours 
ish, maybe six. And, but I was still feeling like really good. I had tons of energy. So I mentioned this to them and they repeated everything. And once again, everything was completely off. So then I think I got, I, they thought it was something with my heart. So then I went in, they did the, they did an EKG, I think. So then there was nothing wrong with my heart. So they did a sonogram. I think my mom even was like looking this up. She's like, could you maybe check her kidneys? So they did, I, you know, I was sitting there and they were checking out my kidneys and my insides and they were just taking a really long time. I remember. And, and, and then at one point the sonographer was like, okay, let's, let's get an MRI. And she seems like very serious. And then I was like, damn, okay, something's up. So I went right in to get an MRI. And then it was discovered that I had a tumor the size of an orange or a grapefruit, I think they said, on my right side uh, of my body, like above my adrenal glands. I remember the sonographer saying like, you don't feel anything there. I was like, no, I feel fine. So that's how it was discovered after, you know, and it was just crazy for me because I didn't like hearing all these doctors say, I'm not sure what's wrong. You know, I, I don't think they could like really tell you. I don't know if they're allowed to like speculate, but they just, they weren't sure. So they were doing all these tests. So that's how it was discovered. I remember you telling me, you were like, I think I'm just going to like schedule a physical, like an annual physical. I haven't gotten a physical in a while, but I'm kind of nervous. And I was like, don't be nervous. Like, it'll be fine. If anything's wrong, they'll, they'll catch it and you'll, you'll be fine. And that was the appointment that you went to. And I had slept over at your house, I think a couple of weeks before that. I remember this so vividly. And you, we went out like one of the nights, but the other night we didn't go out and you still got up to pee so many times and you were up for the day so early. And I remember being like, wow, she has so much energy, but not thinking anything beyond that. Cause you're like 22 and like, what are you actually going to think? Yeah. You also feel like a little, you know, invincible, I guess at like 22, like what could be wrong with me? You know, kind of like that naive thinking. So what about that led them to, so did you never think that you wanted to, that you were like ready to have kids or you weren't into that mindset yet because obviously you need to survive and your body needs to be back to your, to your own again. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. So that wasn't even, well, I'll tell you actually it was, it did come up like, so my parents found this amazing doctor who specialized in the adrenal gland, which is, I mean, there are doctors out there that specialize in adrenals, but it's not as, you know, common as like, you know, like a, you know, a dentist or, you know, things like that. So we found this really great doctor, Dr. William Avnit, the surgeon, I remember meeting with him and he was telling me that the surgery they were going to take the tumor out and it had to be in two weeks. And he told me the date. It was Halloween of 2012. And when he told me, I remember just like my jaw kind of like dropping like what Halloween. And I don't, I think he thought like maybe I had like some party to go to, but I'm like, no, like that's a little spooky. You know, I remember, I think meeting with an uh, oncologist too. And I had brought up the fact afterwards, this was like maybe a week after just crossing my mind, like, Hey, do you think maybe I could freeze my eggs or something? Like, what if I want kids in the future? And he was like, I'm sorry, there's just no time for that. So I was just like, okay. I mean, what am I going to do now? They need to take this thing out of me because I'm not going to live with it inside me. I can't. So I guess I'll just cross that bridge when 
the time comes. I, I didn't even have time to process it, to think about it, like nothing. So I was like still in shock of how, how this all happened. And I just felt completely betrayed by my body. I just remember just asking why, because just why, like, or how, how did this happen? That was, that was really, really hard for me. Was it literally one in a million? One in a million. Yeah. That just gave me chills all over my body. And thankfully you went in for that physical, right? Because you caught it early enough that you could just, because you didn't have to do any type of radiation or anything like that. Or did you? So, okay. So fast forward to the surgery, right? And he's like, at first the surgeon's telling me like, we have this great team of doctors and we're going to go in laparoscopically and we don't think that it's cancerous. So all good things, you know, so I'm kind of like a little at ease, right? As one could kind of be, I don't even know. (laughs) So we go in that day and he tells me, I think after just viewing it, everybody like viewing the MRIs that they're going to have to cut me open. This was like minutes before I'm like being rolled into the to the OR. I'm like, okay, do what you have to do. I don't, I don't care. So then it was my parents that when I woke up in the room that told me that it was cancerous, but they got it, they got it all out. Um, and they were just, you know, so happy, but it was just still, I don't even know what I was thinking. I was like, just so, just so in shock. So after being told that it was cancerous, and they did get it all out. I had to then be told that I would have to be on a pill form of chemotherapy, which is called mitotane. And they didn't know how long I'd have to be on it for because they had to remove that whole adrenal gland, which you, you have two of them in your body, which I had no idea. You could live with one. But when they took mine out, the other one, it went into hibernation mode, which you know it's supposed to do. So then they had to put me on steroids, which gives me energy for like a normal person. That after surviving this whole surgery and getting 200 stitches and literally getting this huge, huge scar across my stomach, I then had to deal with managing these pills and, and, and just every day just trying to, you know, it had to be like within a certain range. I had to get blood work and it had to be within a, a certain number for it to be effective. So too low, not good enough, too high, not good enough. So it was just, that was a battle within itself. And then the steroids, you know, they had to be managed to just give me enough. So if I was dragging my feet, I had to increase. And it was just like this whole, it was really, really a roller coaster. Just looking back and I, I don't even know how I did it. I don't, I don't think I was even I don't, I had no control. I just, I did it because I I had to, I had no choice. Survival mode, right? You don't, you don't question it. You're just going to do it because that's what you're told to do to literally like keep yourself alive and as healthy as you can possibly be after that. Absolutely. Were there side effects from the medication? Like did the side effects potentially affect your eggs or your ability to get pregnant? The chemo made me very tired, very, very tired. And I remember just sleeping a lot in the beginning. They straight up told me like, I don't, everybody's different. We don't know if you're going to lose your hair. We don't know. Like, we don't know anything. So it's like just crazy to go through this whole experience. And then just saying like, just to have doctors telling you like, we don't know. That's so scary in itself. I, again, 
didn't think too much about the kid thing, the whole, you know, because I'm 22, again, 23, not so much thinking about it. I'm just trying to like finish school. And then I went on to get my master's, you know, kind of thing. And then it just became like a normal part of my life, which is crazy to say. So fast forward, like three and a half years, 2016, I was able to get off of chemo, which is like such a great day for me. They, yeah, I remember them saying they don't know if my eggs are damaged or, or anything really. I was with my boyfriend at the time, Lawrence. He, I actually met him like 2000, this 2013. No, I'm sorry. 2012. This is like right before my surgery. I'm like, ah, he's not sticking around, you know, like he doesn't <laughs> And he did. And we stuck around. So I'm like, wow, you know, and his whole family was like so supportive too of me. And I forgot to mention this, but the right before my surgery, I was told to go in the day before because that was when Sir Hurricane Sandy hit. So that was like, oh my God, I just like, I couldn't get any luck here. And, you know, they had to pull together like a team of doctors, you try to get whoever was available. They were canceling routine surgeries. Yeah. It was just, it was so, so crazy. Just looking back, it just feels like a different lifetime. Yeah. So then my boyfriend, he stayed with me and we kind of just did, did things backwards because it's like, who's getting married at 22? Now, I mean, yes, there are people, but not me. I'm like, I'm just trying to like live on chemo and kind of juggle that. I just dated for a long time. And, and later on I moved in with him and I remember we actually, we knew we wanted kids together and we knew it was going to happen, whether and he was with me the entire time. So he knew my situation more than anybody. So, I mean, if we had to adopt, we were going to go that route. We actually went to the fertility clinic in the city in February of 2018 because I wanted to see where things were at. I was finally like just ready. So I was 28 and he's six years older than me. So we go and, you know, they tell me they, they take blood. They tell me my levels. I don't remember what they are, but they were. And they tell me I was 28. They're like, your eggs are maybe like a 32-year-old girl. Okay. They're okay. They're decent. You know, they're like looking at me like, and everything looks like eh, average. It's okay. But if you want to start, you should probably start now freezing your eggs. So we're like, okay, what are the options? I could freeze my eggs. I could freeze embryos, you know, things like that. So I went home. A few weeks later, I found out I was pregnant like insane and didn't pick up on it because I mean, this is probably like nine days after conception. So that was just, I mean, still shocking because it's like my body did this crazy thing, like betrayed me. And I was just, you know, had this negative, I guess, outlook on my body. And I just, I was like mad at myself. And then I think when I got pregnant, I started to maybe start accepting myself a little bit more or trusting my body a little bit more. But the worry that you have though, I guess never really like talked about. I mean, I would cry to him once in a while. It's like so real, you know, I just can't even 
describe it, you know, because getting pregnant is just like such a miracle. And to think that no way for real, (laughs) you know, after everything I've been through for real. So that, that was just, it was, it was like such a blessing. And I'm so like, just so fortunate in that aspect of my life. And I think that, you know, everything happens to people for like a reason. This just made really strong. And just to, I just perceive, I think life a little bit differently. I'm just more, I think, positive than I was when I was younger. For sure. It's hard. It's really, really hard. So do you feel like having, and I was going to say the word miracle too, like this was, and Lorenzo was like a little miracle baby for you. But I called him my little miracle baby. It's so funny you say that. Um, Yeah, totally. And do you think that getting pregnant, being able to get pregnant really helped you change your perspective, your appreciation? I just, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, just, I, I, I don't know. I have like, I have like no words, you know, because I was so shocked. There's one thing that I just wanted so bad. And I'm like, wow, it really, it really happened for me, you know? And I just was just so blessed in that, that part of my life. And he's like the best thing. Well, all my kids are the best thing. Just really, it, it was just a real shock, I think for everybody. When you got pregnant, with him, was there any, did they do any extra appointments or were there any extra concerns just knowing that you had been on chemo for what was it? Three years or, you know, was there any concerns there or extra things they wanted to look at? So yes, I was considered a high-risk pregnancy from the start that I knew kind of going in because I was still taking steroids and I'm actually still taking steroids now to just because I have one adrenal gland that's just not working. It's a whole process to get off and to try and wake that adrenal gland up, but I, I'm not there yet. I had to speak to my endocrinologist a lot, see her a lot. She had to kind of like manage my steroids. Towards the end of my second trimester, she had to start just increasing them, double I think double and then triple. We had like a this set plan in my file that when I gave birth, I, I needed a quadruple dose right before I delivered because my body could just totally shut down because I'm adrenal insufficient. I'm actually supposed to have this thing I inject myself with, kind of like an EpiPen, but for steroids, if I ever get in a car accident or whatever, my body goes through something shock because it's, you know, super, super dangerous. So yeah, so that I had to just constantly keep an eye on and just be watched like a hawk because it, it wasn't even like about having energy. It was about just my body just shutting down. So that was just like a worry too. So I remember just being super careful. I know like every pregnant woman, I'm sure their first pregnancy is follows everything to a T, right? First time mom. Yes. Yes. I, I'm not going to have one cup of coffee. I'm not going to have the deli meats. I'm going to try to eat. Okay. I'm going to, you know, so I was doing the best I could. Yeah. I was just, I was totally watched the entire time. And for each pregnancy after, was it the same or did you kind of the second time know your body better? No. So I have some deli meat. (laughs) Funny. So the second time around it's that, that was actually my mindset. My mindset was just, okay, I've done this. I think I could do it again. Now, I know I can do it again. So I know the drill. I know what to do. I know that I don't have to not really worry right now. I know by the second trimester, that's when I'm going to have to start. But I, it teaches you to just listen to your body. 
and just to, if I'm feeling not okay, I have to reach out. I have to call a doctor. I have to increase my steroids. I need to do this. So that was like just part of the process and trusting my body again, you know, like listening to it, like, what does it need? So yeah, the second time around, I think I had maybe two cups of coffee, (laughs) you know, like I think I still like heated up my deli meat. But yeah, and then by the third time around, I was pretty good still. I got to say, I wasn't. So I'm like, no, you know, everybody says like, oh, the third kid. I'm like, no, I need to be okay. All kids, they're, you know, they're all going to be healthy. So I think I just was super conscious about everything. Definitely, if there was something wrong, there was something I didn't feel that was okay. You know, even those scans that you get, It's even not going through what I went through. It's still so scary because it's like so many things could go wrong that when they do go right, it really is just, it is a miracle. Because so many things have to go right. Yes. The opposite of what you just said. Yeah. And then they're, oh, they just like tell you everything that could. I remember like being in the 20 week scan with my first baby and Lawrence was like asking so many questions. I'm like, can you please just shut up, please? <laughs> because he's like, oh, what can happen? Like, what if this happens? I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know everything right now. You know, you're like throwing it at me. So, yeah. And also that first pregnancy. And I think Molly and I, I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast yet or not, but the first time around not knowing a lot of stuff, like ignorance was bliss. Yes. The first time around. And I feel like second time, it's kind of just like, oh, I know this could go wrong or this or this. I want to make sure I meet like this, this amount of weeks and this scan and this scan. And it's like, the first time around was like, first time mom, like not going to have a daily meet, not going to do this, not going to do that. But like, you also don't know everything that can go wrong. So you're kind of a little more like your, your energy is protected as Alex Toussaint would say, <laughs> protect, protect your energy. <laughs> That's so fun. I want to take a second to talk about this company I found online. It's called Meet Cute, and they make these subscription boxes for couples. They also make them for singles. But I think it's so important as parents specifically to find times for themselves to prioritize yourself. We have a whole episode where we talked about that. But I also think if you're in a relationship, it's so important to find time to prioritize your relationship. My dad always says to Corn and I, you guys were a couple before you had kids. You have to remember who you were as a couple before, before kids. Obviously, you change. But finding time to prioritize your relationship is so important. And so I always have that in the back of my head. And so we do try to get to date nights, but sometimes we just can't. Sometimes, you know, I don't want to rely, ask my mom to babysit every night. I want to get creative and find things that we can do at home or maybe just out in the backyard or out on the front and sit in chairs, whatever it might look like but it's not always going out. And so I found this company, Meet Cute, and they make these subscription boxes that are different every night. And they work with local small businesses. Actually, globally, they work with um, small businesses to put products into these boxes that are themed around different types of date nights. And so I think it's really fun to find companies out there that do this type of thing where you can stay home. And it's especially important for people who might not have that extra childcare outside of, um, you know, if you're working and things like that, but to do things with your partner, it's always important to come back to that and really just ground yourself back in your relationship. 
If you want to check out Meet Cute Box, you can find them on Instagram. It's just Meet Cute Box. I'll also put a link in the show notes to their site. They have all different kinds of boxes. You can check them out if it's something you're interested in. And now let's get back to what we were talking about. So, Christina, let's fast forward. Now you have three kids. I have three kids, yeah. All under the age of, is he three and a half yet, Lorenzo? Lorenzo is three and a half. And then Gianna is, she just turned two and and then my son, Luca, he just turned five months on Father's Day, actually. So, oh, I have my hands full. And, you know, I, we had to bring in help. We had to call in for backup because I'm like, (laughs) work got really stressful with my husband. And so we had to get an au pair. (laughs) That's what I wanted to just transition to, because like, even if somebody can do that alone and to every single parent who is raising a child, multiple children, people who are doing it solo. Like I just have respect beyond words for every single parent in the entire world, no matter what their situation. Even if you can do it alone, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it alone if you have resources. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know if I put that the right way, but it's like asking for help is okay. And if you are able to ask for help, because I know sometimes your in-laws help, Molly's mom lives with her. I am only working in the afternoons and Dean is here and we're able to kind of make it work. But like my sister was here when Emmy was little, but there is like nothing like being able to have somebody help you that you trust and that you know is going to do a good job. So you though have a different situation because you have an au pair living with you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So at first I wasn't, my husband and I were never for it. We never were like, oh, that sounds great, you know, because I don't know. We just never thought we'd be comfortable with like somebody living with us and like watching our every move. I don't even, you know, like, what do you think of when you think of like somebody living with you? They're going to see everything like, oh my God, they're going to think we're crazy. I did when I was, I had the two kids and they were still so little. I mean, they still are, but just being pregnant and then being adrenal insufficient, you are tired throughout your whole pregnancy, let alone you now, like just a normal pregnant person is so tired. I was like, okay, I need help. I'm not going to be able to do this. There's no way. So we have an extra base on the top, a third floor, but it was always never ready for like somebody to live there. Just with my husband being less and less available, we were like, I think maybe we should consider it. Let's maybe try to clean up, clean up upstairs and kind of maybe start the process and look at, because I know Lawrence's good friend, family friend had an au pair for a few years and they loved it, had nothing but good things to say. So we're like, okay, maybe because finding somebody again, like you said, like that you can trust is such a big thing. Also finding the hours that you need super, super hard. You can find like a few people or you can find one person that's super flexible And in my case, it was just people are asking me like, when do you need help the most? I'm like, "Uh, all day. Like, I can't give you (laughs) dinner time gets crazy. Uh, I have to drop my son off to school, but then I have to pick him up a couple hours later. I don't know. So I was really struggling. So then we went, created like this whole profile and I was severely pregnant. And we finally just like got lucky and found this girl, Millie. I knew in my gut that it was just, she was the one because it wasn't some people, I guess it takes months or like just a long, long time, but I'm like, okay, this is the one. 
And, you know, we kept reaching out to like all these girls. They said it's like a dating site. It's like you pick what country they're from, like how old they are. All that you see all their profiles. And we kept getting rejected because I guess, I don't know, some of them, I guess they see like you have three kids. They're like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. Some of them are kind of with their, I guess, more, they demand more. Like some of them want their own car. Some of them don't want a curfew at night. So I made sure to like, just be super transparent in our profile. We found this girl. She's from Argentina. Since then, we got her three months ago. It's just been like, just such, she's been our savior, seriously, because it's just, I can like enjoy my kids now instead of like rushing around to like, what's the next thing? What's the next meal I'm going to cook? What's, I got to throw laundry and I got to do this. I got to do that. I could just, just sit and just a little bit more. <laughs> Not that I do a lot. It's so great to have just an extra set of hands. You know, like, oh, can you grab me a diaper? Oh, can you whatever throw that wash in, you know, the dryer? Things like that. Just to have somebody home with you. Or like, can you watch my son while I put my daughter to sleep? You know, so she's not like alone. Things like that. And even like things as simple as sometimes with one kid, I get overwhelmed leaving the apartment. I'm like, Dean, can you do this? Can you get her dressed while I pack the bag? Doing that with three kids by yourself sounds so hard impossible and then you have they're like all different ages the baby maybe you could just like lay him down on a blanket and he won't move but then you've got the other two running around you're like how i don't know how in the world so you did that on your own for like two months two full months more than that yeah about two months yeah and you know they go through like different phases so it's like my son was actually always very very good with him but my daughter she was too, but she'll run up to him and whatever. I don't know if she's going to smack him or like give him a love tap or, and I'm like, oh my God, I can't have this baby. Like I was so scared of like my son throwing a toy, like a toy truck and him hitting him in the head. So I'm like, I have to protect this baby. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to think of. And I couldn't turn my back and you're running on no sleep. And I kind of like forgot like how little you sleep. My daughter's at the age now where she knows what's right and what's wrong, but she doesn't care. <laughs> so, like, it's just, it was wild. And then you think you baby proof everything, but they find something else. We had to put like a, um, a lock at the top of our door because my daughter likes to just like run and to the neighbor's house. It's just insane. Like I can't even. These are the things that are not in the baby books. It's like, you think you, like you said, you baby proof all the outlets and the stove. And then you turn around and see your child standing in the very top of the dresser. And you're like, oh, I not only need to attach it to the wall, but I also have to make sure that the drawers can't come out because they're going to climb up in there and be standing on top of it. But no one tells you. It's like you learn as you go that you have to do these added baby proofing things because these kids are wild. I, I, yeah, I don't understand how fast they are too. Climbing gates, swinging my chandeliers. Why? <laughs> And then I'm just thinking, like connecting it back to a conversation Molly and I had really recently is like prioritizing yourself. How do you have a second to prioritize yourself when you are trying to keep a tiny baby alive, safe, fed, everything, trying to have the other two kids occupied, making sure like Lorenzo's getting to school on time, like all of those moving parts. You have zero, I, I imagine that you would have like zero motivation to even be like, okay, I'm going to go do this now. Like energy, like how did you even, and did you even, I guess also in like that super early newborn stage, it's like, 
you're just like exhausted, putting your head down and like trying to make it through every 24 hours. <laughs> but at one point, at what point did you feel like you were able to prioritize yourself again? I guess is the question. Oh, I remember going to one of those classes, you know, when you're pregnant, like a Lamaze class, I guess. What is it called? That's a, that's a style, like a birthing class. Like it, yeah, it was like a birthing class, but it was like this nurse talking to us about, I guess just everything. I remember her saying, always take time for yourself. In the beginning, it's hard, but try to just change your clothes every day and maybe take a shower. And I remember like that really sticking with me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And even if I'm, listen, I'm not dressing up every day. I hate jeans. Even if I'm like dressing out of my pajamas, sweatpants, I just feel like it, it makes you and putting on a little bit of makeup. It, it really does help you. And so I always try to do that. I think the first kid you have, it's hard because, well, for me, when Lorenzo would cry, I would get, you know, super nervous. I never really let him cry because I was like, oh my God, something's wrong. So it was hard. I was, I was like, I have to make sure Lawrence is home so I could take a shower. And time goes on, I think they're going to be okay. If they're crying for 10 seconds while I'm like drying off, they're going to be, they're going to be okay. With three kids, well, now it's, it's easier with, um, with help, but it's definitely challenging. And, you know, and when you want to leave the house to get your nails done, it's like, you're always thinking about the kids and then you get like mom guilt. And then you're like, I shouldn't be here right now. So you can't win. (laughs) You can't the struggles of motherhood, you know? Absolutely. And I agree with what you said about in the beginning, just changing your clothes or taking a shower and finding those little pockets of time are, are so important to especially if you don't have help or someone else there and and knowing that you can let your kid cry for a minute it's going to it's going to be okay cuz also you have to take care of yourself too cuz if not you're not going to show up in the best way for your kid but it's, yeah it's hard like any of those little things you can do to make yourself feel a little bit more like a human in those early times but i remember the same thing like i did not i did not want to have any cry Every time she cried, I think it was like just triggering to me. Like, I don't think that I was like necessarily terrified that something was wrong when she would cry, but I did not like it. I still don't even like when she cries, but it's it's definitely a different feeling now. But when she was tiny, I was like, okay, I'm not going to let her cry. I'm not going to let her cry. But like you said, like 10 seconds of crying is okay. It's very, it's so much easier to like, you know, hindsight and tell yourself that now, as opposed to in the moment when they're like five weeks old. Yeah. The other thing with, you know, kind of just having multiple kids and in different stages and and also even just having one kid is that even if you're leaving the house and you were saying before, Meg, you're like, Dean, can you grab this or can you do that? But it's also just the mental load that I know in our house that falls on me. And so whether that's if, if it's doctor's appointments, things like that, and then you have yourself, Christina, with all the things you're dealing in your own health, but then now you have your kids. And you're remembering everything for them and, and everyone it's like, do you have snacks? Do you have, and my kids have EpiPens and then do we have Benadryl and do we have this and do we have that and, and everything. And so aside from all the physical things, the mental load of it is just an added stressor and weight in my life. So I can't imagine alone because I do have help with my mom. So I failed to mention that, <laughs> that I was a teacher and I'm currently a stay-at-home mom and my husband like works and he has crazy, crazy hours. 
And because he has his own business. So he's literally gone for 12 hours a day. So I was just stuck at home, like figuring out, figuring out this whole mom thing. Yeah, I did it for a few years. And then, you know, I was like, no way, there's no way I could do it again. And I, I just knew that I would just need help. And I feel like that also too, accepting help for me, it was just hard too. I don't know. And then I, I, I guess I'm like harder on myself and I'm like, wait, but this person can't do it like I can. And I guess I have like some control issues. So I just like to be the person doing everything, but it's okay to say, okay. It's because we, and we've discussed this before. If I'm going to do it, I know I'm going to do it the right way. And if I leave it to somebody else to do it, Dean is the most helpful partner husband I could ever imagine. But there are some things and sometimes that I'm like, if I leave him to do it, like he's not going to do it like I do it. And then is he going to forget this? And like, oh, did he pack me seven diapers? <laughs> Meg, get it together. They are grown up. They are responsible human beings. They will figure it out. But there's devastating things. Not devastating. That's a little dramatic. But say you're like traveling for a week and you're like, oh, I'm so stressed out. Can you pack this for me? And someone forgets to pack a tube for a pump or like big things like that. that I feel I need to pack those things so I know that every single thing will be there, but other things that are like a bag to go out for a walk in the park. I need to just chill. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I wanted to add in one more thing before we kind of wrap it up. I wanted to say how important it is and how important it was for me postpartum and pregnancy too, but mostly postpartum because that is something that was like so jarring to me, so different. So just like, what the hell is going on? When I had Emmy, Christina, you, Lorenzo was what, 16 weeks? We were 16 weeks apart in our pregnancies, I think. So Christina had a four-month-old, right? If I'm doing the math right. So you had a four-month-old. Molly, you had Nick, who was, she's almost a year older than exactly, or no, 13 months older than Emmy. At that point, I had you two to talk to. Christina, you specifically, like, in the middle of the night. Like, we would be texting each other at 3 a.m., like, Hey, what's, what's going on? <laughs> like Hi. you're up to you up. And we would just send each other like Snapchats of us nursing and like talk about what we would read on our, like what to expect, like community boards about somebody showing their 11 day old, the iPad in the crib. Like I will never forget that. <laughs> well, yes. Yes. But I do want to say that getting through that postpartum period would have been so much harder if I didn't have you to, to get me through it. Now I'm going to get emotional. So I wanted to say that. I had you guys on here because it really was like something that was so helpful for me knowing that like somebody that was so close to me in my life knew what the hell I was going through. So thank you. And I love you guys for that. So now I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome. Listen, I'm here for you anytime. Really. Thank you for having kids first. So you guys could be helpful as hell for me. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, Before we go, I'm going to try to cut the tears, even though it's okay to cry. And I want to ask Christina a final question. Christina, what is your favorite part of parenting? And what is your least favorite part of parenting? I would have to say my favorite part of parenting is just being silly with my kids and doing handstands and forward rolls across like the living room and just like dance, having like dance parties with my kids and just being super, super silly. You know, there's so much fun 
and they have great personalities and um it's you know it's, it's just so much fun uh and then let's see my least favorite part would probably be i guess in in our household i'm like the bad cop you know um i'm like the disciplinarian you know because i'm the one that's home with them so finding ways to teach them um and guide them and and trying not to be so hard on myself and and just that whole part of parenting is is you know a struggle so i just i really really try to work on it you know every every day so i'd have to say that it's it's hard <laughs> i think that you did forget to mention as i'm imagining you doing handstands for like 7 minutes at a time in your living room i think you did forget to mention that you are a college gymnast <laughs> yeah so if that, you know, makes that make a little more sense, but thank yeah. you for sharing that. I think that that is so hard because for some people, especially if you are the primary parent, the one that's home all the time, that can be hard for that part of it to fall on you and to like set those boundaries and to be the one that kind of has to be the disciplinarian. It can be really, really tricky. And I know that you are doing your best and you're crushing it. Thank you so much. Because all you can do at the end of the day is try your best do what you think is right. And if you feel like you need to change something, then you can make an adjustment, some modification the next time. We want to say thank you so much to Christina for being our guest. We love having guests on here. You're our second guest. We hope to have you on again and again and again. <laughs> thank you for being vulnerable, for sharing your story. I learned so much and I continue to just be in awe of you and appreciate you as a friend every day. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode and supporting our podcast. If you enjoyed it, we would love for you to share it with someone else who might also enjoy it. We would be so appreciative if you want to give us a review since it goes a long way in helping others find us. As always, you can find us in real time on our Instagram and TikTok at love, baby, and toddler. Until next time. 